Born ready. Hey there, I'm James McKinvin. And I'm Dagobert Renouf. And you're listening to This Indie Life. This Indie Life follows a journey of two indie hackers as we do navigate the good, the bad and the ugly, attempting to turn our indie hacker dreams into reality. Each week, you can tune in to see what progress we've made to achieve those dreams. In this episode, Dago is coming to terms with working less and making the most of it. And I'm not talking he's sipping mimosas while he's not feeling good. I'm talking he's optimizing the time he spends on Twitter. I share a little bit more details about my long-term IndieBytes partnership, although there might be a stumbling block in my quest to be debt-free. Hey, dude. Hey, mate. How you doing? Same. Yeah, but, God. Yeah, that's the game. <laughs> I feel really sorry for you. When, when we were texting yesterday... I was talking to you about stuff, and you're like, oh, dude, can we pick this up on the podcast yesterday? I have no energy to even text. Oh, my goodness. Things sound dying, man. Yeah, you know, I don't really want to keep feeling sorry about it. Like, I'm like, I, I feel like it's 10% better than last week, so I'm happy about that. You know, I think what keeps my perspective is I went to, like, long Reddit and forums and see, like, it's so fucking common. Like, so many people have this kind of stuff. Some have, have it worse. So I'm like, okay, I have to rest. I have to wait and, you know, take it easy. Yesterday, I went down to get the mail. It took me like five minutes, but I did. And I was like, and I had to stop on the way like an old person. Oh, but, but I was still part of myself because I couldn't have done that like one, one week earlier. I think what helps me is that I have this understanding because like my wife, Lucy, is very worried too. But... I'm like, dude, it's like a lot of people have that when they have long COVID. It's okay. It happens. And I got unlucky, but that's it. And I will just, you know, get over it. So I need to rest. And I'm actually happy because like last week I rested a lot. So I only did like 16 hours of work. But this week I think I can do 25. So I'm proud of myself for that, you know, without pushing it. So, you know, it's cool. I don't want to talk about it too much. I don't want to spend my time worrying about it. I'm just like basically living my life as a handicap now. Like I own it. Like I'm just like in my bed all the time. I can't do anything. Like I have like a chair in my kitchen where I sit when I cook or do whatever because early it's too exhausting. So I'm like, okay, I'm just going to embrace being handicapped for the next few weeks. And, you know, that's going to be my life. It's interesting. I have been tracking my time for most of like the focus work I have to do, which is mainly edits, prep. Yeah, pretty much just edits and prep. And that's like most of my life. And last week was such an intense week for me. I like every single day was it was almost too much. And I only had like 24 hours tracked. And I was like, I can't possibly have a week like that where I felt absolutely dead by the weekend when I only had like 24 hours of focused work. Yeah, but it depends on the type of work. For example, I try to spend one or two hours a day just on Twitter interacting with people. I can do that like without a brain almost. (laughs) I mean, I'm kidding, but it's kind of like that. It's like you're just like, you know, connecting and like responding to other people. It's pretty easy. But like if it's about research, like for example, working on my pivot, for logology, like I couldn't do anything for weeks because like it's too much brain stuff. It's like too, too hardcore. So, you know, it's understandable. Like sometimes 20 hours feel like way harder than like 40 doing something else. 
like doing editing yeah. and like parts is like super intense like when i did editing for my course it's so intense man it is well i'm sort of trying to figure out how many edits i can do in a day generally like obviously it depends on some and now i've like stepped up indie bites i just have a lot more on my plate when i'm doing two a week and tracking mm. the exact amount of time it takes me to produce an indie bites episode start to finish so one episode i'd managed to do in two hours from start to finish wow the okay. episode i released today was three and a half hours start to finish yeah and that it's was gonna depend from, on the episode yeah it makes sense yeah and that was like a 30 minute recording down to 15 minutes but i found it quite of hard to edit it down when usually i find 30 minutes quite easy now i've got a couple of hour-long recordings to get into 15 minutes i'm really nervous about those and i've been putting them off because every time i see that hour-long recording i'm like oh my goodness how am i possibly gonna remove all of it but i've done it before and i know how to it's just it's daunting seeing it i'm pretty impressed that like you're like upping your game trying to get a lot of podcasts out making moves I don't really know what changed because like, I feel like something changed in you. Oh, yeah. I know right. what it is. What is it? So I went on that ski trip with my friends and I had no money to go on it. So like I had to, my mum, bless her, gave me money so I could go on the trip. I desperately wanted it to happen. So I wanted to be away with my friends. And then when I got there, I had zero money in my bank account. I, yeah. I, couldn't, I did not even have any money to eat while I was out there. And I didn't know what to do. And it was the worst feeling in the world being with your friends and having no money to even feed yourself like they're all spending stuff and they're all monzoing it back and i just had to say like I, i don't have it and that just felt so awful and i was like never in my life again do i ever want to be in that position where friends are paying for stuff for me and then are asking for me the money back and i literally can't give it back to them or i can't afford to eat because i wanted to go on a trip with my friends and like, i know i have the earning potential to not let that happen so when i got back i had that week where i was sick and i was desperate to get back to work and fix it and i was ill so i sort of had all this energy of the week where i felt awful with no money and then the week i felt awful not being able to do anything about it so i sort of came back with like right i'm gonna figure it out and i also have a goal in mind and i will tell you but i'm not gonna tell anyone else because it's silly but I'm really motivated by it. The thought of thinking, right, okay, if I can make that money and have the debts paid and I can go, right, I can treat myself and get it while getting my money in gear so I can pay bills and have my savings go up for the first time and not go down. Yeah, then instead of the, yeah, interest payments. Yeah. Wow. So cool. Yeah, it's so, yeah. interesting that thing about when your ski trip. Yeah, it's, it's feel like maybe like wanting to belong, to be closer to your friends, to like not be... You know, because it's kind of like preventing you from the full experience you could have had with them somehow. Yeah, well, it definitely did. And I was fortunate because one of my friends paid for some of my products while I was out there, bought wallets, bought indie bike sponsorships. And so everyone out there supported me and like legitimately got me ways to have some money so I could enjoy it. And I definitely did enjoy it. Oh, that's so and cool that I, they did that. During COVID, I was really lonely and living alone. I'm pretty lonely. So I always now make a real effort to go and do social events, even if I don't feel up to it. There's been countless times where I've had horrible days mentally and I do not feel like going out to London to see my friends for indie beers, which is once a month. Especially and since it's like a two hour trip. Exactly. And I'll, I'll have to like break it down into tiny steps, Dago. So I'll have to go from right, just walk down the hill. That's all you have to do. You don't have to get to the station. Walk down the hill and make your decision then. 
and I'll be like really grumpy and sad and I'll trudge down the hill and it'll be like right just go to the station you don't have to get on the train yeah like just do one push up and... and then do whatever you want mm -hmm. and then you want and like I, I had to do this the whole way to London and I was like <laughs> right when you when you get in the pub just have one beer and you can go if you want to if you're struggling and Uh, then I have one beer and it's great and I meet my friends and <laughs> you ended up having 10 and you get drunk and you know <laughs> oh, gotcha. awesome. yeah, yeah. can we talk also about my being forced to optimize my time for Twitter that was the most interesting part for me okay I was very worried at the beginning I wouldn't have time to do everything I wanted which is true but at the same time for example on Twitter I usually spend like three hours a day mm. but like I had like this crazy system where I have to go on Twitter in the morning then a little bit at the afternoon then in the evening And every day I was putting myself under pressure to like do this routine every day. But because I'm so tired now, I had to cut down on it. I had to be like, okay, I'm going to simplify this routine. So it kind of like being sick kind of forced me to optimize my routine. And now I have a new routine where like I only do Twitter in the evening. So right after recording this part, actually, I'm going to like do one hour of Twitter. And during this hour... I created a small tool that's going to delay my replies until the next morning. So I type all my replies, but they come out the next day. So objectively, it's the same thing as before. It's just that now I can do it all in the same chunk of time. And it's amazing how much better I feel because I don't have to stress out in the morning when I wake up late because I'm so tired that, oh, I need to do Twitter now because it's in my routine. I can just do it in the evening and I know for the next 24 hours I'm good and I can just do it once a day at the best time for me. And that was like such an awesome realization to make. And I'm starting to apply that to everything because, you know, I had so much capacity for work that I wasn't optimizing it. I was just, you know, brute forcing it and working my ass <laughs> off all the time. And now I'm like, huh, I don't have a choice. I need to optimize it. And I'm finding like even writing tweets, you know, small optimizations here and there, time optimizations. And so I feel like now I'm actually more productive, you know, by the hour than before. And, and it's actually making me excited. Like if one day I finally get better and out of this shit, then I can be even more productive, which is, you know, for me always very motivating. It's interesting you say that because I've spoken to people who have like left their jobs to do more time on their side project and they found that once they end up having more time they end up spending it on less impactful things whereas when they only have a small amount of time to do the work a la when they have a full-time job they find they do much more high impact things and work more efficiently in that time parkinson's law i think it's called like the amount of work expands the amount of time you have to yeah yeah, yeah. there's something to it though is like it's not always like i think the reason it works for me though is that I had to learn how to do Twitter properly and to learn that yeah. there was nothing better than just brute forcing it and working my ass off for hours. And then eventually, you know, once I figured it out, now it was time to optimize. But I feel like it's kind of like a balance. If you only try to work smart, then you miss out also <laughs> on learning of ways to... I'm laughing because there's basically James Cat, you know, doing crazy stuff. So watch the video if you haven't. <laughs> Yeah, no, I was saying if you stop working hard after a while, then you can work smarter to optimize, which is what I'm doing now. But if I hadn't spent all this time overworking, I might not have anything to optimize because by doing this crazy process of hard work, 
you that's how you figure out some hard stuff too so i feel like it's kind of like a balance if you only try to work smart you miss out on things it's hard to explain but like initially when i started logology the first year i was doing three days per week for one year because i thought yeah, yeah. it's going to be fine it's going to be fun and it didn't work out because i just needed to you know work way harder but i'm happy now to be forced to work smarter and optimize my processes for a while talk to me about ai and why you don't feel joy with it i don't feel joy with ai i saw this guy danny posma who you know i'm a twitter friends with and he's doing he's one of the only guys you know doing some cool stuff with ai and he was asking like why is everybody you know hating on ai you know just use it to make money and I understood his point, but I was like, when I tried AI a few months back and I still, and I use it, you know, I use like chat GPT a couple of times a day, but I noticed the reason why I don't want to build it into my product so much is that the happiness comes from building. Like, for example, people tell me, why don't you use like a, uh, a meme generator thing? I'm like, what makes me happy is to find the joke. What makes me happy is to find a good joke. Like just the process of creating because it makes me happy because I'm learning. I'm I feel like I'm growing and becoming better, you know, and just the joy of, you know, the delivery, like creating something. And it's the same with building my product. It's the same with, you know, tweeting, writing my own tweets. There's so much learning and happiness in building. And so it made me realize basically AI is awesome. It's a tool, but if it's replacing and removing the joy for my work, then it's not really useful. Like for example, if logology, we started generating all logos with AI, well, Lucy would be so bored because the joy for her comes from designing the logos. And designing with AI is not the same. So, you know, I feel like it's a big piece that's missing from the overall thing about you, you need to build AI startups is that why do you build a startup? Some people build it for money. And of course, I want money. But I mostly want to just be free to do whatever I want and to create stuff. You're so right. And I could also apply this to, say, the leather wallets. I get a lot of joy creating these leather wallets. And people often ask me, why don't you outsource it and get more yeah. people to do it? It's because I really enjoy the process of making them. I enjoy the process of learning e-commerce. I'm not in this to make lots of money. I have other things that are going to try and pay the bills. The wallets for me are to have something away from my screens. Today, I had two orders that I needed to do and it was absolutely joyous taking two hours away from my screen and just focusing on crafting. And that's awesome. kind of what you're saying with AI. And it made me realize something I didn't know because I always have this perspective. What makes me happy is to create. It's always been like that. And mm. for Lucy, it's the same. For people I know, it's the same. And I realized on Twitter, a lot of entrepreneurs, it's not really that. Like it's mostly money. Like it's just like, and not even, and I'm not talking about evil, like, you know, people. I'm just talking like regular India hikers, like you and me, that, that, that are awesome. But for them, the drive is money. And it's cool. But I didn't realize that. I didn't realize there's so many people who are in it mostly for the money. Because I'm like, dude, if you're after money, just get a job, like, and get a career and become like high paid executive or some shit. So it's always surprised me that people are like, gonna, you know, spend more time on money than on enjoying what they do yeah and i think you know um, that's actually and then when i started noticing that then i had a few people like you know back me up and i realized oh that's one of the ways we're gonna be able to survive this ai revolution i think 
is that there's a lot of people like us, like who want to create and also people who want to appreciate creators. Like it's just like a small economy of people creating and people appreciating other creators. And I think these people, you know, we're pretty safe from AI. Like AI is, is going to make a killing for like, for like, for example, in like, if you, if your customers are like LinkedIn executives who use cold DMs to try to get sales, then your AI products are going to be killer. But if your customers care about, you know, your vision, your passion, then you should be safe. I agree. Talking of getting joy from the wallets, I've started to get a few more sales this week. I had two come in on the same day, which is the first time that's happened in a while. And it was two of the exact same thing. I've added a bunch more products to the site, wallets-wise, and two of these black and red card holders came in. Mm. And where I've been focusing so much in the last couple of weeks, Dago, on sorting out the money situation, my attention has completely gone from the wallets. And I'm really sad because I had so much jo enjoyment from it when it spiked. And I really do have this goal to get it to 10K by the end of the year. I wanted to have 1K and then sort of build from there. Yeah. And I'm hoping once I can like get through this momentum period, like get the deals in place, figure out what my working schedule is, I can spend more time on the wallet brand. Yeah, but you know, I think it's good that like, even if you let it on the side for a while, it's still like coming back to your attention with like, yeah. oh, hey, a couple of people want wallets. So that's like, that's the beauty of like these online products is like they're always available for someone, even if you're yeah. not really available or like focused on it. So yeah, it's awesome to see that it's still coming. And yeah, obviously when you put more attention on it, you'll get more sales for it. But yeah. I think you're making the right move to like focus on big moves, clearing the debt. And then you can start being happy making wallets. So one of the things I've been talking about that I've needed to do the past couple of episodes is trying to get a year-long sponsor for IndieBytes. I spoke to a few companies yeah. and I don't know if I sort of had an agreement in place or had an offer last week. No, I think we spoke about the offer last week. So I have agreed that offer with a slight tweak. So instead of being split, into thirds so context i wanted a year of indie bites up front sort of front load the year and they get a fixed rate for the year i got an offer yeah. which split it down into three where i get four thousand four thousand four thousand I, I like asked again is there any chance we can do the year up front they said mm, maybe we can do 50 50 so they're doing half a year up front and then the other half afterwards so i have agreed with that i haven't like signed on the dotted line yet i've just said yes let's do it we just got to get through a little contract sign it and then we're good to go and then i can tell you who it is congrats and if you can clear the debt it's perfect thank you mate well there i had reservations about sort of splitting the income because i really wanted it up front and i had a think over the weekend had a few chats with some of my friends and as the offer was on the table UK-based company, also like yeah. money coming into my account as GBP as opposed to Stripe and Stripe fees in dollars. I just thought, let's get a deal over and now I'm not going to have to worry about sponsors for the yeah, year. Yeah. They are paid up front and I can just focus on making the content. Right now I'm making two episodes per week. If I can keep this up for a few months, I'm going to have a really big, nice backlog of episodes already done so I can sort of front load this year while I've got the momentum. Yeah, so yeah, keep fun. going, yeah. Congratulations. Thank you, man. It's just nice that it's done and I can basically use the first payment of 6000 to pay off basically three of the highest interest ones. And then when the next payment comes in in six months, pay off the rest or 
do it as I go with other income if I can land it. Yeah. So that was the positive bit of money news. I got today slightly like a big blow if this happens because everything's been sort of go, go, go. Lots of positivity, lots of strides forward. And I agreed one huge deal for podcast production for my biggest client, Uncensored CMO, that would kick in next quarter. I heard the news today that is entirely out of my client's control. That means that might be in jeopardy. So that might not be going ahead next month now. So okay. I think I find out in the next couple of weeks when I heard it, 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 it was just, it was like, there's nothing we can do. We can try and make it work, but it might not happen now, which is a bit annoying. It must be. I'm sorry about that. At the same time, you, you have so much momentum. You put your eggs in many different baskets. You're doing good. That's what I was about to say. The eggs in the basket. I didn't put it all in this one big thing. I've been building up lots of different things. And so now when I'm thinking about that, it's like, okay, it's just one. Also, he's not just going to stop his podcast. We will come to some sort of arrangement. It just might not be that. Yeah, it might be I'll less. still be involved like in some way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we'll have to sort of see where that goes. I might be able to get like one payment and then we'll have to revisit it at the end with the company financials. But I have other clients that I've made. And if I then do lose the client, if, if worst case scenario I do, it opens up my time to take on another good client if I can find them. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and so, you're yeah. doing good. Like you're on the path to, you know, clearing the debt and being financially healthy again. So I'm not worried too much. Man, I'm so excited. I did my budget for the first time. It's, it's actually the first time since, I think, November 2021. So well over a year now. And it was the first time I've done one of those budgets. And it's not within like £100 above or below. I've had times over the last couple of years where I've been £500 in debt every month. And it just gets mm. worse. I was like, right, okay, that's a lot. This is the first time where it was significantly the other way. I brought my outgoings down so much and my income up so much that if I can nail all of it, it should work. I should start seeing the rewards from it, hopefully. <laughs> cool, man. All right, 40 minutes. Should we wrap up here? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Good to see you. Thank you for listening to this episode of This Indie Life. Hope you enjoyed the chat between myself and Dago. If you have got any questions or feedback, feel free to send us a message on Twitter. Our handle is at IndieLifePod. All links for everything discussed will be in the show notes. And if you want to watch our pretty faces and Dago in bed, a reminder that the pod is on YouTube now. And that's all from me. Stay indie. James out.